0: You know, one of the things that God desires of us is that we grow to maturity, that we become men and women of God, uh, that that we become God's children. And uh, one of the striking ways that that God has given to us to help us to grow in maturity is His Word. Uh, His Word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, as as uh, as we're told by uh, Rav Shaul. Uh, in Second Timothy, uh, all Scripture has been given to us for uh, training in righteousness, for correction, for reproof, uh, that the man of God might be adequate, complete, with lacking nothing. And so, God's Word is instructional. Now, we live in a, in a society where, you know, everything is relative, where where we have um, no real truth. Everything uh, is is debatable. That there is no plumb line by which we can gauge what is true. And so every man does what is right in his own eyes. That's, that's a society we're living in today, isn't it? I mean, everybody's doing their own thing. And and you can't tell me uh, what is true, and I shouldn't tell you what is true. We're very good at not judging each other. In fact, uh, that's our mantra, don't judge. Well, the, we are we are to judge rightly we're not to judge hypocritically actually we're to judge ourselves first and how do we judge ourselves through the word of god and and so as we continue in our study in ephesians the, the purpose of this letter is is as we've been saying is this uh the, the new alakha the new law that god has given us it's not really a new law it's a it's a new covenant there's only one law god's law that word law is instruction and teaching and and God loves us, and he's given us his word that we might know what is true and how to walk in that truth, because walking in that truth brings life to us, to our family, and to the world. And one of the things the Lord wants to do is to redeem the world. He loves the world. And within your very nature, is we, since you were created in God's image, God wants to use you to be part of his work. And when we're a part of that work, we're a blessing and we're, we're greatly blessed. And so, uh, as I've shared with you, uh, I'm, I hope in the, in the next, well, probably in about 10 weeks or so, to be able to, to, to offer to, to some of you, uh, those of you who would like discipleship, in God's word, to help you to, to walk the walk, that God has. Now a- a- as we go through it, Ephesians, we're now in Ephesians chapter five. In and turn your Bibles to Ephesians five, verse twenty-one. Um because really that sets off this new section of this new Alakha that God has given us, this new walk that God has given us. It, it, it is a walk that is powered, as we've been studying through the uh, book of Ephesians, it's powered by the Spirit of God, uh, by our being filled with the Spirit of God. And so it appears now to be a change of direction. Uh, he's, he's laid out certain guidelines, but, but now he p- describes how we relate to people that we're in constant con- uh, contact with. And, and, and you know, God is a relational God. Um, he exists in his own being in, in a relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, there is a relationship there. If you read the Scriptures and as you study the Scriptures, you see that, that each one of those persons of the Trinity have a role and serve in that role. And each one of us, by the way, as we've been discovering, have roles, and, and we're to serve in that role. And and as we rightly relate to one another and to those that we're in community with, God is going to use us to bring healing and reconciliation to the world. And, and this whole section begins with this key verse in Ephesians 5.21. I want you to see it. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Messiah. A key word is submission. Submission. And we find submission even in the, in the Godhead. Uh, the Son submits to the Father and the Spirit works cooperatively and all work together, enabling them to accomplish the will of the Father. And that's what we are to strive to be, that we might be what God intends us to be, that we might bear fruit for God. And so uh, we change direction, or Paul seems to change direction, by giving instruction on our relationships. And so we see this in verses 22 through chapter 6, verse 9, where six types of relationships are described, relationships that all of us have in one way or another. Uh, Our relationship, for example, is given... With our wives in verses 22 to 24 and actually going even, yeah, 22 to 24 and how wives respond to their husbands, mutually submissive to each other. Yet, yet there's order, even though there is submission, there are differing roles. Uh, God hasn't eliminated roles. Ever since the uh, the uh, the French Revolution and the Enlightenment, uh, we we've tried to admi- uh, eliminate all roles and all uh, becoming egalitarian. Uh, but in doing so, we we've, we've lost God's order, and God has established order. He even models it again in His very person: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each one of them operate within their realm and and complement each other. And because they rightly relate to each other, the work of God is accomplished. And and so uh, we have a, a description here of our relationships uh, with our wives and husbands in relationship to their wives and children in, in how parents relate to their children and guidelines regarding fathers and how they're to relate to their children, how they're to act toward their children and servants, how we who are uh, employees or servants, as it was in those days, slaves actually in that day, how slaves are to, re- to relate and, and to respond to their masters, and how masters respond to their slaves or to their servants. In our society, we thank God we don't have that anymore, but we still have a servant-master relationship In the, if you're employed or you are an employer uh all of us uh as bob dylan said have to serve someone uh and uh the gospel according to bob dylan i love i love his lyrics and uh and it's so incredibly insightful you know we all have to serve someone and how we relate so all of these relationships affect every one of us we're in these relationships in one form or another and so as we continue in this uh overview of god's new alakha We come now to this area of relationship. Relationships are a key element in the kingdom of God, as I've been saying. God is an eternal relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that relationship is functional. It's blessed, and it's fruitful. And when we understand rightly God's Word and align ourselves with God's Word, we're going to be functional. Our lives are going to be functional. They're going to be fruitful. They're going to bear fruit. And they're also going to be blessed. If you're out of alignment, if you're out of order, then then there's going to be disorder and disharmony in your relationships. Now, I'd like to spend a great deal of time on each one of these, but I I don't think this is the the, the time to do that. I think there are going to be times in the future where we're going to talk about interpersonal relationships. I'm just going to do an overview of this section. Uh, we were recreated we were created to reflect that to the world this functional blessed and, and fruitful relationship and when we are operating rightly it, it is a testimony to the world they look at the order in our lives they look at our humility and our submissive submissiveness and and our uh, working in our relationships the order that's in our lives and and the world looks at that And wants that. Now that's what made Israel a light to the nations. Do you think it was any coincidence that Israel was placed at the crossroads of the world? It was no coincidence. Because God's law, as he said, God's instruction would be our wisdom as Jews. And it would be a sign to the nations that the God of Israel really is God. And now that that relationship, that instruction, that teaching has come not just to Israel, but has now extended through the Messiah to all the nations of the world. One of the greatest testimonies that we have is, is walking in that walk in a functional way that's blessed and fruitful and, and functional. And so in chapter 3, we learned about the wisdom of God, which is reflected in key relationships. Foundationally, the assembly of God's people. This is a key relationship. When people come into the midst of us and see us loving one another, caring for one another... People from all different backgrounds, Jews, Gentiles, from every race and creed, and yet loving one another and loving the God of Israel, people come into the midst of us and say, wow, this is unique. This is special. And, and, and that's a blessing. That's part of this alacha. And so, We we learn about the wisdom of God reflected in the church, in the relationship between Jew and Gentile. But God's wisdom is revealed to the world in our personal relationships. It's through our relationships that we reflect the love of God to the world. Through marriage, we reflect the image of God. How so? In his image, he created them, both male and female. The image of God, really, is both male and female. Uh, It's not just masculine. If you want to see the full reflection of God, marriage is is truly the reflection of God. Does that mean that if you're not married, you're incomplete? No, because whether you're married or not, you're still married. Who who is your husband if if you are a wife or if you're a single woman? Who's your husband? The Lord is your husband, and if you're a single man, who who is who you married to? You're married to the Lord and a part of His church, the bride. And so we are all in a marital relationship, which is a reflection of of God's relationship. And, and the image of God is both male and female. And, and that's why the church reflects God so dramatically. Male and female, Jew and Gentile, working together as one, functionally, and, and functioning beautifully. It's through our children that we reproduce after our own kind, and through them come in contact with others. I'll never forget... I think I've shared this before, maybe not, but I've, uh, one of the things when I started out sharing the gospel with Jewish people, uh, I was in upstate New York and I, I shared with the, uh, um, what I would do is I would go to the kosher pizza and falafel house. They invariably open up a kosher pizza place because it's easy to do, uh, young people love pizza and, and the Lubavitch, you know, use that as an outreach. And so I would park myself there. And the Lubavitch are very gracious people. They're, they're seeking to bring, they're evangelists. And they're, you know, they're seeking to bring Jews back to Judaism. Um, Torah observance. Well, you know, I take advantage of that and, and allow them to speak to me while I speak to them. And so, uh, they knew who I was and I knew who they were, of course. And, uh, and one, one of them came to me and asked me for a ride. And I gave him a ride home. And on the way, he asked me how many children I had. And I'd been married about uh, two years. And I said, well, my wife and I don't have any children yet. And he said, what? How could you have not children? Don't you know that the best way to reproduce your faith is through children? I really got convicted over that. Um, and, and and probably if Joanne didn't put the brakes on it, I'd have more than four daughters. Uh, I probably have one son by now among all my kids in addition to all my girls. But, uh, but I, you know, I have now sons-in-law. And so I'm reproducing that way. I'm discipling men that way. But really, the, that's one of the blessings of marriage is to reproduce after our own kind. The greatest way that we reproduce the faith is through our children because they see us for who we are uh they can they can tell whether we're hypocrites or whether we're you know walking the talk or not uh and it's a crucible and uh so children are our are, are way we f- reflect uh, the lord to the world it's through our relationships that we reflect the wisdom and the love of god our relationships reflect the dynamics of the new covenant submission love sacrifice obedience and honesty It's in our relationships. And when people see that, transparencies, not airs, not phoniness, being real, being family, being able to laugh at Josh when he comes up here and does his things that are fun to smile at. And, uh, me as well and others. I mean, that's being real. That's what we're to be. We're not to be, you know, these, uh, people on a pedestal. We're to be real with one another. That's what God calls us to. W- one of the blessings is when we have, uh, potluck, when we break bread together. We're family. And, and that's the greatest blessing is eating together. Um, you know, part of the offerings in the temple was not just simply to offer those offerings completely on the altar. No, part of it was taken to be eaten in the presence of God and with God's people. That was part of the sacrificial offerings, to serve food. And that part of those offerings was as eating before the Lord in the presence of the Lord. Uh, the table of showbread, uh, also an indication that the Lord is the bread of life. And so all of these things demonstrated in our relationships with one another, right? Nothing's greater than 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 eating together. Jews love it. Christians love it. Everybody loves it, because we all got to eat, and it's wonderful being together, breaking bread together. And by example, we demonstrate in our relationships what is God's will, and prepare others to be receptive to the Messiah by our relationships. And that's why that's part of this new ala'cha, and that's why this section of Scripture is so important. Our walk is reflected in these relationships. Who we really are is reflected in our relationships. Whether or not we are truly walking rightly. If our relationships are not right, then you need to examine your life and see if you be in the faith. Um, That's all seen in the crucible of the family and in your working situations. Let's consider our walk in marriage. Wives... Be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Messiah is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to the Messiah, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Wives are to, subject, uh, are to submit to their husbands in everything. Just as they submit to the Lord, now that's a hard thing for for our society today. We hate that uh women we live in a society where women just rail against that and and we as you know there's been an overreaction since our our, our society. There have been two extremes there's been women's liberation rebelling against men's authority and, and and cruelty on the part of men uh being mean and and uh and and out of order. When we are in the Lord, though, we are subject to one another and that relationship is rightly reflected. We could spend a great deal of time, and should in the future, spend a great deal of time on, on parsing out what a true relationship between husbands and wives is supposed to be. Just as the church is to submit to Messiah because he loved us. Why do we love the Lord? Because he laid down his life for us. And so husbands... as we lay down our lives for our wives, esteeming them as more important than ourselves, just as the Lord did, how, how can you resist that? Why do we love Yeshua? Because he first loved us, and he continues to love us. And that's how wives are able to love their husbands. But even if we don't, as husbands do that, wives, you're called to still submit to your husbands, And in doing so, if you do that as unto the Lord, God says he will bless you and protect you. And who knows that your behavior might lead your husband to a real living relationship with the Lord, that he might be transformed. And so we are to submit as to the Messiah. So wives are called to submit to their husbands. The reason the husband is head of the wife, just as the Messiah is head of the church as there is lines of authority in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so too in the family. There are lines of authority. It's, it's not to be tyrannical authority. It's to be a, an authority exercised like the Lord's authority. Is is the Lord a tyrant? Not at all. If the Lord judged iniquity the way you know, he, we, we would think that many times we judge iniquity, scriptures say, who of us could stand? None of us. But the Lord is gracious and kind and patient and loving. And that's how we're to be as husbands and wives, how we are to react to our husbands, patient, like the Lord. In the family, it's God's will that the husband be the head of the wife and that parents be over their children. That's the authority that God has ordained. And when that order is seen in love, it becomes a testimony to a to a world that really is out of control and doing what's right in their own eyes. Wives have the opportunity to demonstrate the wisdom and value of an important principle, submission. Jesus taught by both word and example the importance of submission by washing the disciples' feet. He humbled himself before them. He served them. He interceded for them. And husbands, we are to do that to our wives. Even his wives submit. He is our example. Yeshua is their example. We're all, as I said, to submit in one way or another, to be subject to one another in the fear of Messiah, the reverence of Messiah. Humility and submission is, is a reflection of the Lord himself who humbled himself. And through their submission, wives prove that God's will is best. That takes faith and trust. The walk of husbands is found in 25 to 30. Husbands, love your wives, just as Messiah loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that but she would be holy and blameless. Husbands, we are responsible that we might present our wives holy and blameless. We're not to cause them to stumble and to become wrathful and and grieved, but to present them as holy. Uh, So so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Messiah does the church. He nourishes and cares for us. And so again, as that kind of relationship in a marriage is seen, And the only way, by the way, that that marriage relationship can be seen like that is through the power of God's Spirit. We can't do this in our own strength, as we've talked about in previous studies in Ephesians about this new walk. It's through the power of God's Spirit, being yielded to the power of the Spirit of God. We've talked about the requirements to being filled with the Spirit of God. We said earlier that that we leak that uh, though we were baptized in the Spirit, we we tend to leak, and we need to regularly, through our daily devotions and through prayer, be filled with the Spirit of God, confessing our sins, that we might have the power of God to love, as God calls us to be, uh, calls us to love, and that again, that is a reflection in the church that's seen by the world as we as we have these relationships, as we live these relationships. It, there's nothing more important really, in reflecting God in these relationships. The command, husbands, love your wives, continues the mutual submission mentioned in verse 21. And be subject to one another in the fear of Messiah. The husband who submits to the Lord by being filled with his spirit, in verse 18, is able to love with the love of Yeshua for his own bride, just as Yeshua loved the church and gave himself for it. We as husbands can't love the right way. Unless we're filled with God's Spirit, and that's why you daily need to be in His Word, because our minds need to be cleansed and our heart needs to be set right, and that's something we need to do every single day. The world's love is object-oriented; it's based on personal appeal, isn't it? If it's good, if they're good-looking, boy, we love it. If it if it's sexy, we love it. If if it if it appeals to the flesh, we love it. That's what motivates men. It's fickle, though. As soon as it loses that appeal, the love it was based on disappears. And that's why marriages are failing. Because it's based on what pleases me, what satisfies me. God loves us because it's his nature to love, not because we're attractive. God knows we're not attractive. I mean, some of you are good-looking. But, uh, you know, when when you think about it, I mean, if you really look at yourself in the mirror through reading the Word, you recognize, and most of us know it. I mean, in fact, that's that's how psychiatrists make their living. You know, is, is, is we we recognize that we're all rats, uh, and and so we get neurotic. Of course, the solution, of course, is is God's love and His forgiveness and His total acceptance of us. And with that comes the grace of God and and the joy of the Lord that he doesn't love me and love me not. No, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. That's the love of God. God loves because it's his nature to love, and that's the kind of love we're to have for children and for our spouses. God's kind of love, supernatural love, that only comes by the Spirit of God. He loves because he cannot do otherwise. It's his nature, and that's to be our nature. And that, when seen in our relationships, blows the world's mind. Because that's what the world is looking for. That kind of love. We, the world thinks it finds it in erotic love, but that's, that's, that's physical. Uh, and it's fickle. But God's love is unconditional. It's steadfast and immovable. And that kind of love only comes by the power of God's Spirit. God can can command us to love as He loves because He has given us the capacity to love as He loves. We can't do it in ourselves, but He's given that capacity. When you come to Messiah and experience His forgiveness, you're able to forgive as as you have been forgiven. In fact, we're told in Scripture, if you don't, You lose that forgiveness. You lose the joy of that. You lose the peace that comes with that. You lose the accept. But when you do love like God loves, because you've experienced His love, and then again, that's seen in our relationships. We must choose to love. It's an act of the will, as well as of the heart. That's why Christian marriages, messianic marriages, were built to last, because it's a matter of choice. It's not a matter of feelings. And again, the power to do that comes through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God. A husband's not commanded to love his wife because of what she is or she isn't. He's commanded to love her because it's God's will for him to love her, unconditionally. It's that kind of love that purifies. It's that kind of love that cleanses. It's the kind of love that God has for us that purifies and cleanses us. And it's that kind of love in a relationship that purifies and cleanses cleanses your spouse, cleanses your children. And and also, I might add, brings cleansing to the workplace, as we're going to see as well. It's that kind of love that the world sees and marvels at. Now, the walk of children is seen in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And you can read that, that later and should read it later. Children are to obey their parents in a way that honors them. And God promises a blessing. There are benefits for obedience. Uh, You know, it pays to obey. One promises you'll live a long life. That's not so bad. That's a nice benefit, that it may be well with you. And and it's well with you, not only externally in terms of life, being long-lived, but also well with you as far as joy and peace and blessing. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. By their example, children show the value of obedience to the commands of God. And when children are obedient, that is a testimony. I, I can't tell you how how people marvel at children that, that are, are good because they love the Lord. We just live in a society where kids are rats. But, but when we have a loving relationship, it just blows the world's mind. What is that? It's the love of God, and that's a testimony. That's why our relationships are so key. They reflect the Lord, and so they show the value of obedience to the commands of God. The walk of fathers, they're charged both negatively and positive in in chapter 6 as well. Don't provoke children to wrath. That is discipline without love. As Josh recognized that his dad disciplined him, but he did it because he loved him. He knew he was always accepted. Uh, and so discipline without love is, is, is provoking children to wrath. Bring up a, in a training and admonition of the Lord. That is discipline tempered with love. Discipline tempered with love. And that's through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. In the world, people usually fall into two extremes. Discipline without love. That's child abuse. Or love without discipline. Permissiveness. I was raised on the ladder. Dr. Spock. And, uh, I was a mess. And, and it really, it, you know, I, they, they, military school didn't even help for me. Uh, I was thrown out of high school for something I didn't do with 10 classes because I, I was so, uh, raised so permissively. I could do whatever I wanted. Um, I once went to a, a, every year I would go to summer camp. And they had structure, and that was great. I mean, we had lots of structure. One year, the camp closed because they were building a road through it. And we could do any... That camp that they sent me to was it one of these progressive camps, Camp Summerhill. You could do anything you wanted. It was the worst summer of my life. We didn't do anything. We went down to the to the candy store, and we'd just hang out there. And we were bored to tears. But at the other camp, there was structure. We had to do certain things. And we need structure. And, and that's provided by discipline, loving discipline. When fathers administer both love and discipline, they show how God raises his own children, for God does us, as Josh was sharing earlier. And we see this in Hebrews 12 verses 5 and 6, which is, in, is exactly what Josh read. My son, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you're approved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It's a demonstration that we we are children of God. Now, what about the walk of servants? Well, servants were part of the fabric of many holes, households in the first century. And by servants, I mean literally slaves. They didn't have a will of their own or, or uh, 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 freedom. They were servants of the master. Now, there, you could be one of two kinds of slaves. You could be a, a slave that was whipped and beaten because you, you despised and your master and you despised your situation, or you could be the Lord's slave, the Lord's servant. And so their relationships were the subject of, of much scriptures, servants and masters. Joseph and Daniel were both examples of servants, of slaves. They were, they were servants. But they rose above it. And as a result of rising above it, they were entrusted with greater and greater responsibility and became the greatest testimonies in all of Israel. Believers who were servants were to exemplify the proper kind of obedience required of God's servants. When you work, you are the Lord's bond slave. You work for him. Obedience with fear and trembling, we're told in the Scripture. To obey with fear and trembling. What does that mean? To, because you fear the Lord and you observe the Lord. Fear and trembling is a characteristic of a servant of God. Not the fear of a superior or a trembling that something unpleasant might happen. It is the fear and tremble before God lest we serve poorly and bring dishonor to Him. That's the kind of workers we're to be. We fear the Lord and we serve our masters before the Lord. I don't serve uh, my boss. I serve the Lord, but I serve under the, the The person who God has put over me, all of us have have someone over us, and we need to observe submit to them as unto the Lord um, it is fear and trembling before God lest we serve poorly and bring dishonor to Him. The walk of masters, those believers who had slaves were charged to treat their slaves with the same guidelines given to servants. They were to, they were to treat them the same way with fear and trembling. If they were dishonorable in treating the, or, or uh, grievous in treating their slaves, they, they face the judgment of God. And His judgment is strict and harsh with fear and trembling, and sincerity of heart as unto the Messiah. That's the kind of relationship we're to have in employment. Knowing that he serves the Lord, he is to oversee with grace and mercy like the Lord. Do you see how relationships are in everything and how they reflect the Lord? And so how we conduct ourselves in our marriage, our daily relationships, affects our testimony, revealing the wisdom of God that the world might know. Marriages and families that are not healthy, do damage to the claims that we make about the gospel to transform lives. If our families and our working situation are not right, our testimony is just useless. We can talk and talk about the grace of God and the truth of God, and it means nothing if our walk and our talk do not match. Marriages that reflect the teachings of God's word speak volumes of the principles inherent in the gospel. And so, as we come to a close here, principle God calls his people to. Submitting to God and others in authority. Exercising authority with sacrificial love. Obeying those placed over us as unto the Lord, who, because they've been placed under us or uh, over us by God. Developing others through training and admoni- admonition, not intimidation. Rendering service that is sincere and not hypocritical. The exercising authority with justice and fairness. All of that is in our relationships. So we are to walk worthy of the calling that we have in Messiah. That's this new Allah. We're to walk worthy. Let's not overlook those areas where it's most imperative to have a a worthy walk, in our marriages, and families, in our work, and overseeing those given to our charge. This is the walk that pleases God as the scriptures have in Israel. Let me close with these scriptures. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord your God. That affects all of our relationships. And then Micah. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And so this is the relationship that reflects this new Alakha. It all comes to us as we walk rightly with the Lord. And and so that's what we're called. This is the new halakha. And by God's word and by God's spirit, we can do it. And that will be a testimony to the world, both in the body of Messiah and in our relationships, in our home and our relationships at work. With that, let's pray. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King, we thank you and praise you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, we thank you that you have given us so much uh, instruction, enablement to, to walk in a new way, and that how we deal with one another uh, reflects, Lord, that we, in fact, are children of the Most High God. Lord, may we walk rightly, and may we reflect that love that you have for us to a world that's that's dying for love, needing love. Lord, may they see the love of God in us, in our relationship with our spouses, in our relationship with our children, and our relationship in our workplace. And for this, Lord, we ask your grace and your power, which are given to us through your Spirit and, and administered to us and, and imparted to us through your Word. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.